Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 21. In today's show, we'll be talking to Mr. Paperless, Brooks Duncan of DocumentSnap.com about the benefits of a paperless office. Brooks is going to dispel some of the myths of the paperless office and tell us how going paperless can help you achieve increased productivity, security, and reliability in your business and personal life. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shy. How are you this morning? Doing great this morning. How about you? Just fine. Looking forward to our session with Mr. Paperless. Paper is just not changed. You know, we were thinking computers were going to change that, but paper still flows at high speed across everybody's desk. This is a topic for me that is so anxiety-inducing <laughs> from uh, from my youth, and it still haunts me today. My dad, as you know, was an airline pilot. You know, airline pilots have a lot of paperwork revisions, and especially in the old days, all of the charts and everything used was paper. And by now, most of that has transitioned to electronic, although there's still a lot of paperwork. When I grew up, it seemed like he was just constantly revising these charts, and he would spread them out all over the table, and there was just constantly piles of paperwork around. And so I have some deep-rooted anxiety associated with paper. Well, I think in the old days, it was part of their exercise program, you know, carrying around 50 pounds of paper on board the aircraft every day to and from. Yeah, we used to have a saying in the airline industry, a plane flies, a tree dies. <laughs> yeah, I'm, my mother was a real estate broker and developer, and she had these multiple listing systems that were all binders, just like the airline pilots had in the standard cases. And there would be a dozen of these. And guess who got to do the updates every week? You know, that was my <laughs> you know dollar job, if you will, when I was a kid and got to know it real well. But the volumes of paper and the trees we lost, amazing, much better now. But still, the paper keeps coming. Well, it does. And I think there's a lot of challenges for this in terms of productivity, because as much as all of us are trying to find our way and embrace new technologies, including leveraging the cloud to figure out how we can better manage our information, we're still bombarded all the time with good old fashioned paper documents. And I think it's this combination of having some things that are paper and some things that are electronic documents that really induces almost more overload. Well, I think we're all looking forward to today's guest to see if we can come up with some more tips and understanding of how we might organize this and make it even more efficient to get to a paperless environment. Yeah, and our guest today is Brooks Duncan of DocumentSnap.com, who specializes in helping individuals and small businesses go paperless. Good morning, Brooks. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Hey, guys. Uh, really great to talk to you. Brooks, we're really excited to have you here today. We think this is a topic that is definitely frustrating for a lot of our business owners. Could you tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in the document management business? Yeah, it's kind of funny the way I kind of fell into it through the back door. I had a completely different career in first accounting and then software development. And then I was running client services for a financial software firm. And as I was doing that, my wife and I were moving. And so we're moving from one house to another and I'm dragging this file cabinet 
from one place to the other, I'm thinking, what am I doing? I don't even need 90% of this paper. Why am I killing my back doing this? Uh, so that's <laughs> so that's when I started looking into going paperless. But of course, me being the kind of technology productivity person I am, I, I couldn't just do what normal to people do and go to Best Buy and buy a scanner. I had to research. <laughs> I had to research and find, you know, what's the most efficient way to do it. What allows me to do the most automation? You know, what's the most awesome way to go paperless? Uh, so I started kind of going down that rabbit hole, and then so you know I was going paperless at home, and then I was finding that there wasn't one central place online that I could find that had the kind of automation and tips and tricks that I wanted. So I decided to start it myself as I was going through my paperless process. And that's how I started going paperless. And then I started my website. It was more as a a hobby, as kind of sharing what I was learning as I was going through it. And then people started asking me questions and asking me for help. And it kind of grew from there. What do you find is the biggest frustration that people have when they're trying to make the transition to a paperless office? I think the biggest question that people have and frustration is they decide they want to go paperless, so maybe they'll go buy a scanner, and maybe the scanner they buy is ideal, maybe it's not, but then they scan this stuff and then they can't find it again. So they have all these documents all over the place, and they've kind of replaced their physical paper mess with an electronic mess. I've definitely experienced that, and that's because my scanner kicks out very inconveniently named files with like a string of 15 numbers and letters on there, and then I have to figure out how to reformat that, and yeah, that's extremely frustrating. Yeah, exactly. It would be nice if the scanners could do a better job with that, so it's more about creating a process for going through and organizing them that's not too difficult to do, but something that you can keep up with. Yeah, and one of the things that I know that you've developed is a very specific naming convention for electronic documents. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for me, having a consistent and descriptive naming convention is definitely the biggest thing you can do to be able to find these documents later. And so what I tend to recommend people do is And what I like to do is put the date in the file name. I like having it at the beginning of the name. Some people like it at the end. It's total personal preference. I like it at the beginning because then your documents are kind of sorted in date order. And then when I'm looking to name a document, what I like to do is, and it's a term I kind of stole from a friend of mine, a guy named Brett Kelly, is think of your future you when you're naming these documents. Because, you know, when you're scanning and naming the document, you know what it is because you're the one saving it, right? But if other people have to work with it, or if you're looking for this thing in a year, two years, five years, you're never going to remember what this document was. So what you want to do is you want to think of what are some words that I might use to search for this document later and work those into the file name itself. And one other tip that I have, and I would say it's more for business users than for home users that a lot of people find really helpful is using some sort of code in the file name. So if you are working on a project, maybe you have a project code and you have that in every file name. And that way you always know that this file name is associated with that project. Some people like doing it with clients. If you have a client code or a client number, work that into the file name as well. And then you're always able to find the document by search. Yeah, that's a great point. I know that in the workplace, this can become a real issue And I've definitely experienced this with my clients as well as in businesses that I've run where you're trying to search for the document and everyone had their own naming convention. 
and it just becomes an absolute nightmare. And I think that's part of the anxiety that people have out of truly transitioning to the paperless world is that they're just afraid they won't be able to find things. Yeah, the fear is a really big thing. And actually, you brought up a great point by mentioning that. What doesn't tend to work as well is if one person just says, this is going to be our naming convention and expect and hope everybody follows it. You'll have a lot better success if you get a representation together of the people that are going to be working with these things and come up with this naming convention together so that everyone has ownership of it and everyone has buy-in of it right from the beginning. I was talking to somebody one time, they work for an accounting firm, and she said what they did is they all got together and they all came up with the code so that every document that they work with for a client has the first three letters of the client's last name and the first three letters of the client's first name in that file name. And they all kind of agreed on that together. And she said it's been night and day their ability to find these documents. Otherwise, you get a whole bunch of documents in a whole bunch of different folders named invoice.pdf or something like that, which makes it very, very difficult to find these things. Brooks, you mentioned .pdf, and I was curious, do you find that the best format to save the file in? Yeah, I personally recommend in most cases scanning to PDF for a few reasons. Number one, the whole purpose of the PDF format is the document will look the same on any device on any platform. You know, that's why it was created. So you want a format that is going to look right, whether you're looking at it on your phone, on Mac, Windows, etc. And the other reason is the PDF is an open standard. So a lot of us think of it as an Adobe format because they created it, which they did. But it's been an open format since 2008 with you know a steering committee and all that sort of thing. So it's something that is going to be maintained going forward. And it's not like the old days with Word documents where Microsoft would change something and then all of a sudden new versions can't read it. Since it's controlled by this independent body, it's going to be more long term. Let's jump over to the scanners themselves. What are some of the learnings that you've discovered as far as which one to choose and what to look for? Well, what happens a lot of times is a lot of us decide, you know, I'm going to go paperless and we'll use that flatbed scanner that maybe we bought to scan photos or there's already a scanner in our all-in-one device. And so we'll use that. And it's not that you can't use those devices. They both will scan documents. But especially in a business, chances are you have a larger backlog of paper and you have a lot of paper coming in. And you're going to have a lot more success investing in an actual document scanner that's built for this purpose. So that's the first thing I would say. As far as document scanners go, there's lots of really good ones. You want one with an automatic document feeder. So that gives you the ability to stick a stack of paper in and press a button and scan through that rather than feeding it one by one through the scanner. And I recommend a scanner that scans dual sided so it'll scan both sides of the page at once. Lots of different kinds out there and the one you want really obviously depends on the size of your organization and the amount of paper that you have. I tend to like the ScanSnap scanners by Fujitsu. That's what I use and I know a lot of business owners really like as well because they're quite well made and they're fast. But if you're a, a larger company, of course, there's work group scanners and that sort of thing as well. Yeah, I've used the ScanSnap and it is great, very high quality product. And I love the software that they have that is intuitive. It knows what document it's scrolling through and can optimize it. On another scale, let's say someone is starting out and they want to experiment with this a little bit. 
I'm sure you've played with some of the apps that are out there for the various smartphones. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great point. Nowadays, the cameras and the apps are getting so good that our smartphones actually make really good document scanners. Lots of different apps out there. And what these things really excel at is capturing those documents on the go. So when I do business travel, for example, that is almost exclusively the way that I capture business cards now. When I get back to my hotel room or whatever, I'll just capture them all with my phone and also receipts. A lot of times if I'm traveling, I'll capture that receipt right there at the table when I get it because you want to get this stuff as digitized as fast as possible. So lots of different apps out there. Like I said, um, ScanBot is a good one and Genius Scan are both good ones on iOS and Android. Probably I'm guessing a lot of your listeners might use Evernote. And the Evernote app has a really good document scanner built right in if you're an Evernote user. And the one I tend to use the most for capturing my business cards and documents is called Scannable. And that's a tool that's made by Evernote, but you don't have to use it to scan to Evernote. You can scan to other locations as well. And unfortunately, that one is iOS only. They don't have an Android version yet for that one. Brooks, I appreciate you mentioning Evernote. I've played with Evernote and I use it sort of as my clipper, if you will. How do I go to the next step and how do I use Evernote most efficiently in the scan side? Yeah, Evernote is a great tool and I, I'm actually a pretty heavy user of Evernote. I like it a lot for, like you say, for clipping web pages and just collecting information and stuff like that. Some people use it for their document storage, so they use it as their document file cabinet, and Evernote actually works quite well for that because it displays your documents visually, because it has really, really good search, because it has good sharing capabilities. A lot of people really use Evernote for that. I personally do not use Evernote for that, and it's not because Evernote is a bad tool. And this is possibly more of a personal thing, but for my long-term document storage, I tend to be pretty hesitant to put it in a proprietary system, a system that if you put your stuff into it, you have to figure out a way to get it out. So for my long-term document storage, I just keep it in files and folders on my computer and synchronized to the cloud. So that's for me personally. But if you're wanting to use Evernote for your document storage, it does work quite well for that. The only thing I will mention about that, which some people are concerned about, some people are not, is that with Evernote, your documents are not encrypted on Evernote servers. So some people aren't comfortable with that, but that is just something I wanted to mention. That's a great point. You brought back memories years ago, and I'm dating myself here. I had one of the Mac series and I got a scanner and it was like, wow, this is gonna revolutionize my world. There was a piece of software that you could scan it into the software and it managed all of the documents and it was great. And then they went out of business. That software company just left everybody high and dry. And now you had all of these files that were just unusable. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't use Evernote for that. Uh, like I said, a lot of people do very happily. And Evernote is good in that whatever you put in, you can get out. So I guess all I'm saying is if you are going to use Evernote, go into it knowing how to get your stuff out. You don't want to have to figure this out if there's ever an issue. You want to know and preferably practice getting your stuff out in case you ever need to do that. And I recall in the early scanning days that you'd scan and these files were huge compared to the disk space that you had. 
Any settings that you prefer? You can usually control the quality that you're scanning at, and I tend to do it at around, your scanner might call it a different thing, but 300 DPI or dots per inch tends to be what I scan it at. It's a good balance of file size, but also quality. And that doesn't take up too much space. The nice thing about this stuff is storage nowadays is it's so cheap that you know you buy a four terabyte hard drive for not very much money. So the percentage of space that your scan documents take up is a lot smaller now. But that definitely used to be a concern. And of course, when we talk about storage and we look at the mobility side, how do you balance that as far as your documents available when you're on the road? Yeah, it really depends. This is one thing that people want to do if they're going down this path is ask themselves these sorts of questions from the beginning. Do I need to be able to access my information when I'm out of the office? Do I need to be able to share it with other people? You know, ask yourself those type of questions and that will inform you your storage choices. Some people prefer to have their documents stored only locally and aren't comfortable having it in the cloud. Other people are the opposite. They actually don't want their documents local and only store it in cloud services. And then for some people, and this is what I personally do, they do kind of a hybrid model where your documents are stored locally and then automatically synchronized up to the cloud. So you have your information on your computer, but you can also get at it from an app or a web browser or something like that. Another option, some people want that kind of mobility, but don't feel comfortable having their documents stored on somebody else's servers. You can buy devices like a Synology or that type of device where you're able to access your documents through the cloud, but you're storing the documents on a device that you control. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. But of course, that's another device you have to maintain. So speaking of that, you mentioned that this is something you're going to want to think about ahead of time as far as how you're going to use the documents. Where does somebody start? Obviously, all of us at this stage of the game, all of us business owners deal with electronic documentation. So we're filing it in a variety of ways. We're in an era of bring your own device. So we have employees in the non-enterprise space, maybe storing them in different spaces. Where would you suggest a business owner start with trying to crack the code on this? Yeah, well, for starters, what I would say is that a lot of us think of going paperless or any of these similar type of changes as this big, massive thing that we need to change. And really, it doesn't have to be a huge change. You can start small and work out the kinks and then start small with one department or one process or one type of document. Start small get your system set, and then you can kind of expand it and iterate it from there. So that's the first thing I would say. Look at what's an area, maybe with some slightly more tech-savvy people, if that's possible, but if not, it's not the end of the world. Start small and get your system going, and then you have some champions that you can expand later. So I think what I would say is start with a centralized place that you want these documents to go and maybe that's using something like a dropbox or a box.com or an evernote or something like that if you want people to be able to access this information on the go of course create a simple high level organizational structure and then like i said get a few champions that are helping to define this process and how it's going to work for you and then just start doing some tests, getting some documents scanned, and of course, making sure things are backed up. 
instead of making it this big, huge change, just start small. That sounds like really good advice. You know, you're trying to implement something for the long term, but of course you don't want it to become a distraction to what you're doing every day in the process. And a lot of times there's things you need to figure out, decisions you need to make, and it can really bog down if you're trying to change your whole organization all in one shot. Now, if, if it's really small, of course, that's fine. But if you're going to have challenges, it's better to find out just in one department than grinding everything to a halt. So let's talk about the benefits. I mean, you know, we have some folks say, okay, that's fine. I realize I could do this, but you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm very satisfied with my paper files. I'm satisfied with post-it notes all over my computer screen. I write lists. I have notepads. I check them off, and that works for me. What's the point of me trying to go through this transition? Well, that's actually kind of a difficult question for me because I actually have a policy of not trying to convince people to go paperless. I'd probably be a lot bigger if I was one of those people who would, you know, go online and make videos of me burning paper and saying, you you should go paperless and being controversial. Um, but I, I kind of feel like this is something that people will have challenges and then look to meet those challenges. And if somebody is comfortable with their paper, I don't see paperless as being this total change where you're eliminating all the paper in your life or your business and changing everything over. I don't see paperless as taking something away that works well for them. What I would say is if you sit down, and this is actually a really useful exercise, if you sit down and look at where is the paper coming in to my life or my business, you know, where is all this paper coming from, where is it going, who's doing what with it, and where is it ending up? you'll be surprised at the amount of information that comes in that is just completely wasted and the amount of paper that you're using that you don't even need to be using. And you'll find that there's a lot of paper you can eliminate right off the bat. And I would say that to the people who are resisting, quote unquote, going paperless, you know, that's totally cool, but there are some things you wanna keep in mind. First of all, paper takes up physical space. I was talking to somebody recently and they have a company who has an entire floor of an office building in downtown Vancouver just taken up by physical paper files that they're not even doing anything with. And I live in Vancouver and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vancouver, but we were just rated the third least affordable real estate in the world. So, <laughs> so that's a crazy example, but think about it in your business. You know, you're probably not in that scale, but there's probably paper that is taking up space that could be better used for something else, I'm guessing. The other thing is paper is not searchable and really has very limited backup. So if you are looking for information, you've got to find where is this document, where is it located, and then you've got to find the document, and then you've got to find where on the document that information you're looking for is. And also, if that document gets, you know, coffee spilled on it or gets misfiled, this is one of those stats that I have no idea what the source of, so you can take it with a grain of salt if you want. But I was reading once that each misfiled document costs $125, and each lost document costs $350 to $700, and larger organizations lose a document every 12 seconds. So that just gives you an idea of, and I'm sure we've all been there, right, where we're looking for something and we find out later it's been filed in the wrong folder. Or you disrupt three or four different departments in your organization on the search for the document. Yeah, yeah. And if you're talking about paper, 
you know, there's no going back from that. If that document's gone, it's gone. And of course, with both of those scenarios, you can make copies, but then you're adding to all these other space problems that, and all these other inefficiency problems that we've been talking about. So for me, when I think about going paperless, it's not this green idea that you always hear about your cable companies trying to get you to go paperless and they say go green or whatever. It's not about that or even about necessarily having this uncluttered desk or office that you always see pictures of. For me, it's really a productivity thing, being able to type a few keywords and have the document that you're looking for kind of right at your fingertips. That's the benefit of going paperless to me. But, you know, we all have to kind of get there in our own way. That's a long answer to a, (laughs) sorry, that's a long answer to a probably simple question. I think it's a great answer, and I think, you know, what I'm hearing in there is, you know, this is not a call to action that this is going to be the right thing for everyone, but that like anything else in life, there's upsides and downsides, and, you know, the idea of cognitive ease, you know, reducing that friction of, oh my gosh, where is it, where did I keep it, you know, we know that that's the biggest enemy of productivity is just your brain being cluttered because you don't know where things are or you have other things on your mind. So I think creating cognitive ease is a big benefit of getting organized, having the right naming convention so you can find things when you need them. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, and I hear this sometimes, you know, people will say, oh, I couldn't go paperless because I really like writing in my Molsky notebook or something like that, or I like jotting things down in my field notes. And if that works for you, awesome. I'm not saying don't write in your notebook for sure, but okay, once you've done that, what are you going to do with this information? You know, sometimes it's, we don't need to do anything with it, but how about instead of having this information that you've just jotted down in this notebook filed away in a box somewhere or whatever, capture it electronically, have it digitized and searchable, and then at least you can refer to this later without having to dig up your old notebook. I just think of a paralegal going through piles and piles of legal pads of notes to try to find you know, one yeah. critical piece of information from an interview. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make it sound like electronic documents can never be misfiled because, of course, it's just as easy to put something in the wrong folder as, as a physical paper document. And I never want to say that electronic documents can never be lost because you can delete an electronic file very easily by accident. But the point I'm trying to make is you have ways back from both of those if you have a document that's searchable and if you have a document that's well named and if you have a backup system, you have ways to get back from both of those problems that you just don't have as easily with paper. That's a great point. So Brooks, now that we have a solid naming convention, we figured out where to store our documents and we've started to roll this out and get our team you know, up to speed on how we're going to do this. What if something happens? I mean, there's still some volatility to electronic information. What's a good strategy for that? Yeah, for me, that's actually a really important question because I'm sure we've all been through hard drive failures. Everybody has a, a hard drive failure story. And the way I kind of approach these things is you have to always work on the assumption that something is going to happen to your electronic documents. Like you said, there's just so many different things that can happen. So what you want to do, and it's actually critical if you're going to go down this path, is you want to have your backup system set up and running right from the start. And this doesn't have to be complicated. Both Mac and Windows have backup system built right in. So if you're somebody who stores your documents on their computer, you want to make sure that you've got that backup system up and running. 
at least on a local backup, go to a big box store, Amazon or something, pick up an external hard drive, plug it in. And at the very least, if you do nothing else, get that running. And then I also recommend an offsite backup as well. So however you do that, that's companies that will do that for you, or there's online backup services like I use CrashPlan personally, Backblaze is another really good one. Uh, and there's lots of different companies that do backup as well. But you wanna have ideally your, your data backed up in as many places as possible. That's really, really important. Yeah, if it's worth backing up once, it's worth having a backup copy of the backup, <laughs> so to speak. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today, Brooks. You've really given us a lot to think about, and we really enjoyed having you on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much. This is really good, really, really interesting questions. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? If people are interested, they can just head over to my website, documentsnap.com, and hit the big red button there. And I have this paperless cheat sheet that people can download, which kind of collects the tools and uh, techniques that I recommend just based on questions that I've gotten. I've collected it all into one PDF. So they can give that a look and hopefully that'll help them on that project. And I think maybe you'll have a link to that as well. We sure will, yeah. Perfect, yeah. No, other than that, that's it. I'm happy to answer any questions that anyone has. Well, sounds great. Thanks again, Brooks. Thanks so much. Our guest today has been Brooks Duncan of DocumentSnap.com. You can learn more about Brooks and download the free paperless cheat sheet in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.